Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is the biggest risk facing truck drivers with my friend Dan Slagan. Weather. Weather is the biggest risk truck drivers face. Approximately 20% of accidents are caused by weather, whether it be high winds or heavy rain, snow, sleet, fog. And I know you're listening and say, hey, no kidding, Joe, we all know that, but what can you do about the weather? We can't do anything to change the weather, but we can make better decisions around the weather. And that's exactly what Dan and the fine folks over Tomorrow I.O. are offering their customers the ability to make better decisions. If you have better intelligence about the weather and better alerts about the weather, you're going to be safer. You're going to save money on your insurance. We're going to save lives. Tomorrow IO has developed a weather and climate security platform that provides more precise, more accurate weather forecasts. They provide alerts that are targeted to drivers. Drivers are driving across many states, many weather systems. We have to give them better information. We all monitor our drivers and we do the best we can with the weather, but now there's a better solution for weather alerts and weather intelligence. And it is tomorrow IO. So check it out. But before we get to the podcast, I want to tell you about my friends at Tusk Logistics. That's T-U-S-K logistics.com. If you're a small parcel shipper, you can save 40% with Tusk. And the way you can save 40% is Tusk has a great technology and they've connected a whole bunch of regional small parcel carriers. These are carriers that have been in business for a long time and they're excellent service, better than the big guys in their region. But you could never use them because they were just regional. Tusk has connected these guys into a national network. You can save 40% and have better service. And in addition, you get Tusk's technology, which is top-notch, plus you get Tusk, uh, their customer support. Overall, you can't lose. You get better service than you're going to get from the big guys, and you get better technology from the big guys, and the service, the delivery time is better than the big guys. 40% savings. Do it. TuskLogistics.com. And right at the top, it says, get started. Click on that button and get started and save 40%. So how's it going, Dan? Nice to be here. Doing well today. Good, good, good. I'm excited to talk about this topic. It is a big problem that is now has a solution, I think, or at least part of a solution. We're always going to have risk for our drivers. Dan, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Great. My name is Dan Slagan. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer here at Tomorrow I.O., coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. And I've been at Tomorrow.io for about four years now, and we are the world weather intelligence platform. We do is we tell companies across all different types of industries how weather is going to impact their operations in advance of impact so that they can make the operational changes ahead of time to improve efficiency and mitigate any safety risks. We are also at the helm of creating and building the world's most powerful, most actionable, and most accurate weather forecasting technology out there, including our own proprietary weather forecasting technology, which we'll talk about. Everything from that to sending our own satellites up into space, doing a whole bunch of stuff within the weather industry to make sure that we have the most advanced weather forecasting out there. And cut to the chase, and I think most of us in the business know this is the biggest risk is the biggest risk for our drivers is weather. I haven't talked to you lately about the actual numbers, but I believe fair number of accidents. Do you have percentages of 
what number of accidents are caused by weather. We all hate delays, but accidents are worse than delays. But late shipments, what percentage are caused by weather? I know, at least on the safety side of the house, it's at least 20% of all accidents are caused directly by weather. That's sort of the most conservative number I've seen. Yeah, and by the way, any of us who are driving in the weather, I'm in Michigan, you're in Massachusetts, we have winter here. When you're driving in that winter weather and you drive alongside a truck, it feels scary because you feel like I don't have a complete control of my vehicle. Then you always think, yeah, and that guy's driving something 10 times bigger than I have, right? It's scary when you're driving a car and these guys are driving something much larger. Hey, Joe, it's wild. As I mentioned, I'm, I'm here in Boston and I swear yesterday it was mid 60s and perfect weather. I had my kids at the park, pushing them on the swings. It was an idyllic day. And I was thinking, ah, oh, winter's finally over. We're moving into some good weather. I almost got blown over this morning just walking across the bridge through the city to get to my office. It's like a completely different world out there today. We're probably at a, at a blowover risk after today with the winds in Boston. Right. Well, we're going to talk about drivers today, but we'll get maybe get a little bigger than that. We have risk of weather all over the place. And from what I understand, we here in the United States, I know there's lots of listeners outside the United States, but the United States is one of the most volatile weather locations in the world. Am I right to say that? Yeah, and NOAA tracks, they track what they call billion dollar damage events or catastrophe events each year. And on average, we're doing right now in the past couple of years, about $18 billion events that are happening as a, as, as a cause from, from weather. And they're happening all, all across the country. Yeah. And by the way, I know there's some people and we'll, we'll get into this first. I'm sure there's people going, oh, great. You guys got a weather app. You know what? I got that on my phone. I've said before, because I've interviewed you guys before, is you have weather for your house or your office or wherever you're at today. The problem is if, if you get in your car and I've, I could drive two, three hours in my car without my phone ever changing the weather. It was just, here's the weather at your house, Joe. I mean, I'm sure you could do a little better, but the challenge we have with the driver is he might be picking up in Boston today and driving to California. And he doesn't know what weather. And by the way, my daughter was in California a few weeks ago and she called me. She goes, I'm at the airport. I go, oh, I thought you are going back. She lives in Portland. I thought you were going back to Portland tomorrow. She goes, I was going to because of the storms here. I'm going home early. I go, what storm? She goes, it's snowing. I was like, all right, snowing in LA. <laughs> not, not, not something you expect to hear. She said, I don't want to be snowed in here. I was like, all right, not something you expect to hear, but we have a, a challenge. If I'm driving from Boston or New York all the way through the Midwest and I have to go all the way through the whole country. There are so many different weather systems that I'm going to hit. How do I plan around it with just a simple app? How's it being done right now by people who are so behind the times that they're not using tomorrow IO? Yeah, and I think for anyone that has, has never heard of us or has never spoken to us in the past, you know, yes, the weather industry is one with a lot of players and it's uh, it's sort of an older space. It's kind of been the same for a long time. Think about it in the same way as, as the taxi industry before Uber and think about us doing to the weather industry what Uber did to the cab industry or the transportation industry in terms of that. We've also been called the the SpaceX of weather. So yeah, excited to get into the details, but we're doing some really, really big stuff over here. We really feel like what we're creating and what we put out in the market is sort of a once in a, in a lifetime, once in a generation type of technology. So is this a, an app that can connect my driver and my TMS and whatever systems I'm using? So it's not something, it's not a separate app. It's, it, it's integrated into my existing systems? Exactly. Including ELD feeds and forward-facing camera access. Everything runs through the platform, yes. 
Yes. So it can give me an alert and say, hey, you're about to, within this certain amount of time, you're going to hit this weather. Yeah, exactly. And so basically what we do in the trucking industry, as an example, is we work with major trucking companies out there to understand, all right, you have this many drivers out on the road at any one point. It could be tens of drivers, hundreds, thousands, whatever it might be. At any number, any moment in time, a certain driver is going to be at risk of weather. And that risk might be one minute away, five minutes away, an hour, a day away. But what we do is we automate the tracking and the driver monitoring for every single truck or every single vehicle or, or that you have on the road. And we'll be able to tell in an automated way down to the mile marker, this is when you're going to be in trouble. This is the reason. And this is, this is what we recommend you do to avoid any type of risk. I like it. And again, we're talking about risk here and we're talking about monitoring. When I think of this risk, the risk is real. The risk is that I am in an accident and we know every accident's horrible, but a truck accident is so much worse just because of the size and the weight of these vehicles. And obviously we've also, I mean, lawsuits are one thing, but just the human toll is obviously much more important. Some of these lawsuits, the catastrophic lawsuits we've seen in recent years when it comes to trucking, they should be enough to scare you straight if you aren't already doing everything you can to help your driver be safe. Again, I wonder why people, when people say, why doesn't anyone want to drive trucks anymore? This is just one more reason. It's a dangerous job and you got to deal with all us amateur drivers who are cutting you off and don't understand the challenges you have. Yeah, and I think the company's ability and perhaps their interest in implementing safety procedures and protection for their drivers is arguably as high as we've ever seen it, just given the competitive nature of trying to ensure you have enough drivers at, at your company now. And so being able to offer the best experience or the best package is certainly one part of it, but a big component of that is, well, how are you protecting me? What systems have you put in place to protect me as the driver? What's going to allow me to make sure I get home to my family right. in a safe way or that I'm able to make sure I, I can meet the deadlines that I need to meet? And so this is one of the big, big things that we're talking to companies about. Yeah. Yep. I just did an interview. I didn't publish it with, yep, it was Ashley Thomas. And when I was talking to she to driver recruiting and she pointed out that pay was like number four among drivers. What they wanted to know is what equipment am I getting? And am I being lied to? Am I being treated like part of the family? She said, she said, we, everybody always wants to jump right to pay. Hey, if we pay you more, we pay you more. We've all worked at places. You work long enough. You've worked at a place where you're like, this is a good paying job, but they don't treat me the way I want to be treated. However, and she said a lot of times it's equipment. And she says, when, when you lie to a trucker and they get there and they see this equipment is substandard to what they were told, well, driver monitoring and saying, hey, look, we're going to make sure you're safe and we've got the latest and greatest equipment to keep you safe and to allow you to plan your day around the weather. That's just one more little thing you've done to show them we give a damn. We don't want you, we don't want to lose you on the road. And and retention, Joe, I, I love what you said. Maybe said, I say it the other way as well. It's another way to think about it is just knowing that I could go make a little bit more money elsewhere, but at what risk? At what cost? And is it really worth it in the sense of sort of, I know I have it really good right now because the company invests in, in me specifically. Yep. I want to talk a little bit about driver monitoring. First off, what is driver monitoring for those who don't get into it? day to day. <laughs> All right. So any company at any one moment in time has X number of vehicles or transportation vehicles out on, on the road. And essentially from, from headquarters, they need to understand how these vehicles are doing. Are they on time? Are they at risk of delay? But also, are they at risk of any type of safety issues? And so weather is the main driver of that component. So am I going to meet unexpected snow or rain or wind or icy roads or whatever it might be? And so driver monitoring is a company's ability to monitor or watch all of their drivers at once and then more importantly communicate to them in advance when they're at risk of something and what to do about it in advance before it's it's too late either too late for the actual trip that they're on 
or more specifically to their short-term safety. Yep. Dan, I was telling you that we're hit record. There's a trucking company not too far from me. I'd done some work with them in the past. And I remember being in their control center and they had like 500 trucks. It's like NASA in there. <laughs> like you walk in, they've got all these people monitoring these trucks, but they had, so we have a camera for each truck that faces the road so we can see what the driver is seeing. So we can see if they're stopped in traffic. We can see if it's snowing. We can see if it's raining. Can't tell you beyond that what the weather is, but I can tell you if it's raining or snowing. There was also a camera that faces in inward. And I think that's a little tricky because I don't think all drivers want, you know, none of us want a camera in our face all day, right? And but I think they can turn that on. Then we obviously have the ELDs that are monitoring. And that obviously we have all the technologies we're using. But I think one of the challenges is how do we monitor these guys in a way that keeps them safe, but also doesn't make them feel like they got big brother watching? <laughs> Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's specific. The way that we're helping companies monitor them is specific to weather risk that's coming their way. And so as a driver, you know, even I know just driving in my own car with my kids, you know, I I very much want to know if there's something I need to be aware of. If first I need to reroute or if it's really bad, I need to pull over or if there's going to be slick conditions. You know, if it's raining out, how how do I know whether or not to keep the current speed limit or to back off a little bit? I don't necessarily know the conditions of the road or how many inches per hour the rain I, I can't tell that kind of stuff. So I, you, I go by gut and you're kind of making your own decisions based on gut. And right. so, you know, I'm not an expert at all, not only in weather, but also in road conditions, yet I'm sitting here making the main decision as the driver. And so what we're doing is we're really helping drivers actually be protected from technology that knows whether or not they're at risk, how much the risk is, and more importantly, what to do about it so they avoid it. So I think it very it very quickly shifts that, that mindset of, you know, I don't like being monitoring to much more around it's really nice to have this safety component at, on my shoulder at all times. Yeah. Well, and it's not just the driver who's responsible for this also. I mean, I own the trucks and I own the, the brand name and I own the customer. It's my job to make sure that this all moves down the down the down the road in a safe fashion. So we all it's not just the driver's responsibility to avoid that accident or to avoid that late shipment. It's everybody involved. I think also I've heard I've been interviewed drivers on my podcast and they say your day on the road is usually spent planning and then replanning all day long because you don't know what you're going to hit. And this is one more way we can help the driver say, you know what, there's a storm coming. You don't stop to eat right now. Continue on for another 40 minutes because you're going to have to pull over anyway. I don't know if that's an actual conversation they have, but I think you could start to plan your day that way. It's like, hey, there's going to be, you're going to hit that traffic here and you're going to hit this weather here. Here's the best way to route yourself around it or, you know, pull over whatever you need to do. And it's and it should be set at operating thresholds that the company has, has, has implemented and rolled out and not necessarily something that, you know, a driver needs to try and think about or or figure out. Oh, so explain what do you mean by operating thresholds? Sure. So within our platform, basically what we do is if a company has specific operating thresholds, for instance, a truck will get blown over if XYZ occurs. Wind speed is this, truck speed is this, you know, the the grade of the road is is this, all those different types of things that then becomes basically, not to oversimplify, but an an if-then statement. So if a truck is going to encounter certain conditions that the company deems as outside of its operating threshold for safety, then recommend this recommend that. And it's a very specific, actionable, predictive recommendation that the driver gets to know exactly what to do. So if I'm driving, I just get an alert. You need to pull over now or you need to reroute. The reason is because within the next couple miles, you're going to start to hit XYZ. But we've already identified it. We know it down to the mile marker. And we're warning you in advance to pull over to avoid any type of, of risk. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. And by the way, I like the operating threshold because I don't want it to be up to somebody kind of saying, well, I think I can make it. it, it you know, it's on the line or I know there's high winds. I, I think I'll be okay. I don't want them to guesstimate that. And because, you know, we're all human. I say, I just want to get home. Or, I don't want to be late or what, whatever's going through your mind. I also don't want somebody back at the home office saying, dude, I need you to get there on time. If we're late one more time this week, we're going to be in trouble. I don't want any anybody compromising that operating threshold. So you don't give anybody a choice. You say, nope, guys, safety is our top priority here. When you hit this threshold, stop. And I think to that point, we know how hard it would be for the driver to try and make that decision. Given all, and yes, they have experience, been, you know, but they're given, also driving, they're busy. <laughs> they're driving, they, there's financial incentives, all this type of stuff. But then even go back to, to HQ, think about how hard it would be for the person or even the team that's sitting at, at headquarters. Think about how hard it would be for you if you were at headquarters to have that conversation with just one trucker or one driver on the road, all right, I'm going on this route. I think there's going to be wind. Let's take a look. I mean, just one. And then imagine trying to do that across 500 trucks 24 hours a day in different parts of the country or different parts of the world. It's impossible. You're, I mean, you're set up to fail from day one. And so now the company is basically operating with risk every single day. And every once in a while, that risk, unfortunately, results in some type of a, of a catastrophic event. Yeah, and we've got this all throughout. Like if I'm running a factory, I have processes, I have inputs, I have outputs, I have processes that I follow, and we comply to those processes. And we, we've kind of moved into a compliance culture, which I like very much because it stops putting um, people at risk by letting other people make somewhat of a subjective. We say, nope, we're going to turn everything from subjective to objective. It's not on the line. You do it this way when you get this, this notification. And um, we're saving lives. Uh, and again, most companies also, if you're delivering, when you say, hey, we hit a snowstorm and that's why we didn't deliver on time, we get a pass for that. So we're avoiding accidents and we're not necessarily getting a black mark because I don't think most shippers or receivers are saying, risk your life for my on-time delivery. I think most of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm here in automotive land and I know there's a hotly debated uh, every once in a while in cold weather or winter weather, weather was at a level where it met that operating threshold. I think if I'm using tomorrow IO, I can say, guys, I told you up front, here's my operating thresholds. Are you comfortable telling me you don't want those? Exactly. And everything, and everything is documented in a system as well. The reason that we made this decision was because we met the thresholds. We can very clearly see that that was the case. And, you know, all the responsibility is, is, is sort of documented that way. By the way, when the ELDs came in, there was some discussion here in automotive world in Detroit area where the companies had these lanes for 50 years in a row. And then the ELD mandate hit and they said, hey, we can't do this with the driver anymore because it's too far. And some of the bigger companies, I won't mention names, said, that's your problem. They said, no, it's our problem because as soon as I start breaking the rules, my safety rating is going to go down and then you're going to tell me we can't work together. I'm not taking that risk for you or anyone else. So, and also, do you want to go tell your boss what you just told me? <laughs> go ahead and break the rules. I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the message any shipper wants to give. So I know when, before we hit record, we were talking about a few other things related to this, like automation. How does automation get into this mix? Well, first and foremost, you have to think about the job of the company. And so we talked about it a bit, but if you think about having, let's say 500 trucks on the road across the, the country, as an example, and at any one point you have a truck in, you have trucks in the Northeast and the Southwest and, and wherever else, they're driving at all different hours of the day, all different types of weather conditions, all different types of roads, and they're all on their own schedule. And so if you have to monitor 
all of these drivers at once and you don't have an automated way to do it, you're just setting yourself up to fail. How could you possibly keep track of 40, 50 weather different parameters across X hundred number of, of, of drivers? Uh, there's just no way that one person or even one team can do it. You certainly want someone to be responsible for it, but you need to arm them with the right tools and the right technology to be able to do it. And so that's where an automated platform comes in. So you can very quickly say, great, here's my 500 drivers, put them in a platform. And then on one screen, you can very quickly see over the course of the next couple hours and days, who's going to be at risk and when. And then you can also have peace of mind as the operator, knowing that they're all going to receive predictive updates and recommendations about what to do before it's too late. And all of those recommendations that you give are going to be ones that are agreed upon by the from the from HQ, again, according to operating thresholds and the agreed upon actions and recommendations that we actually want the, the drivers to take. So what automation really does is one, it makes sure that all of your drivers are being monitored from the ground up. This is not this top-down thing where we're saying, hey, we're going to be monitoring you know, this certain state or this certain region. No, we are driving, we're monitoring specific drivers and specific vehicles on specific routes. And then we're saying the communication that we're giving to them is the exact same based on whatever conditions they're facing and whatever operating thresholds the company has agreed upon. So it centralizes the communication and it also makes sure that everyone is receiving the best possible information at the best possible time, one, to be more efficient, but more importantly, to avoid and mitigate any type of, of safety risk. So that's really the, the magic of automation. And when you even just start to think about only using humans or only using you know an existing weather app or those types of things, there's just no way that you can even comprehend trying to trying to do that without putting your company at unnecessary risk every single day. Yep, I love it. I love it. And by the way, let me ask you this, and I, I know if you don't have this, you'll have it eventually. Boston is used to winter weather. The Northeast is, so is the Midwest. Now, my kids who live in Portland told me, this was earlier this year, we have more snow this year than Boston. They don't know how to deal with it. My kids are from the Midwest. So they're used to the idea that you have plows and you have salt and they clear the roads. They said out in Portland, they don't get snow like this, so they're not used to it. So the driving might be way worse with two or three inches of snow where it might not be a problem here. It's a big problem out there. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We actually, we do work with with a bunch of, of local cities. We had a story uh, recently, I think it was late last year with the city of Hoboken, New Jersey, where we do work with, uh, with, with their teams there to make sure that they know when you do have specific weather like snow, how many trucks should we set, send out? How much salting should we expect? Oh, I love that. Because they actually have, they have problems both ways. One, if they don't send out enough trucks or enough salt and the roads are in icy conditions, we know what the issues would be. But then the other fact is if they send out too much, then they're just wasting taxpayer dollars and resources. And they don't want to do that either. And so their ability to, to one, just save on cost, but then also make sure that they can really go back to their, their communities and say, you know, we know the roads are safe is, is one thing that we do. So yeah, it's, it's a different side of the business, but, but we do work with a bunch of cities as well. Well, what I was thinking is two inches of snow in Detroit is not much, doesn't, not a problem. But at two inches in Texas is a problem. Yeah. And the nice thing about our platform is that all of that is agreed upon in advance, put into the platform once, and then it's automated. So an alert that you receive when you're driving through Michigan would be a different alert that you'd receive when you're driving through Texas or when you drive through a certain part of the country. That's the beauty of having an automated and calibrated platform is that you, dig in HQ, Joe, you don't have to think about that. Right. Oh, well, this, this driver is in Michigan, so the road conditions are probably X, but this driver's in Texas, so they're what? It's already done. It's done for you. The alerts have already gone out and you're, again, sitting there with peace of mind. I think one thing we talked about a little bit too, Joe, is this, this 
this notion of, of responsibility and, and ownership. Yeah, well, one thing before you go off that, I like, again, Texas versus Michigan, two inches of snow. That is a subjective call for my team. But if, again, put it in the system and say, this is the operating thresholds that we agreed to ahead of time, I don't have to worry about anybody taking it a bigger risk than, than we all feel comfortable That's with. That's a good point. Yeah, exactly. It's moving everything from subjective to objective, everything to a, did you comply or did you not comply? And that's what we need to do. Again, we got to get these. If we're going to be safe, we're going to have, as you said, operating thresholds that we play within. And who knows? Maybe at, maybe at some point somebody says, you know what? We're going to change those operating thresholds to be even more conservative. Why? Because we saw a need for that. Yeah, exactly. And the one thing you can do, which is which is nice, is you can go back and look at historicals as well. We do a lot of weather forecasting, of course. One of the big ways that we, we can train models is to understand what happened historically in a specific place on a specific day during a specific season. And if you can correlate that to your your historical performance as well, you can start to see to your to your point, you know, maybe we should dial things back just a little bit, or maybe this threshold isn't exactly where it could be. And we could update it to improve either efficiency or or, or safety. Yeah. I'm just curious. And again, this, uh, we'll get back to, I know we wanted to talk about responsibility and ownership, but have you ever considered going back and saying, you know, there were this many accidents in this region or this, this is trucking company in, in this period of time and our operating thresholds would have advise them not to be on the road at that one minute. Have you ever gone back and done that? Yeah, we have. Yes. And then specifically on on the weather forecasting, what's interesting is we recently announced an update to our weather forecasting technology and we had it kind of third party validated against historicals. And what we found was that our platform was anywhere from 10 to 40% more accurate than what companies would have been getting with the existing weather forecasting technologies that that they would have had. So imagine going back historically and saying we would have had almost a 40% improvement in accuracy that we've been using tomorrow io that's crazy that's crazy and again make no mistake this not knowing the weather is a big problem and knowing a little bit of the weather is probably still a f- fairly significant problem we need to get better and and i've said this before to you i feel like we heard for a while visibility is the killer app and it was we we talked about it a lot but i don't want just visibility into the problem i don't want to see a slow motion train crash i want to be able to take action this is one of those things that says not only you have visibility into the the issue, but you also have some insights that tell you go or no go. Yeah, exactly. And regardless of what solution or technology or procedure you have in place right now to track weather, if you're not using a company like Tomorrow.io, then essentially what you're getting is the government forecast. And so for the most part, companies are out there taking public weather data from agencies like NOAA, and they're just putting that within their software and giving it to you. So if you have a weather app on your phone, you know, for the most part, the funny thing is they're all giving you the exact same forecast. They just brand the experience differently. And so what you're attracted to is the brand, not actually the weather forecast accuracy. And some people say, well, this is the most accurate. That's most accurate. Let's be honest. No one's sat down and done a scientific analysis of which one was most accurate over the course of the last week or two years. You're just saying based on what you think because that's how humans do it. I do it with certain apps all the time. But what we do is instead of just relying on public weather forecast data from agencies like NOAA, what we do is we have our own proprietary approach to weather forecast. We look at both public and private data sources. And then we have a team of data scientists that synthesize our own models. We actually run our own weather model in the cloud to produce the most accurate and hyper-local weather forecast for anywhere in the world. And as I mentioned earlier, we've already been validated as being much more accurate and much more actionable than anything 
that's out there, but we're still just getting started on the weather forecasting technology front. We are right on the cusp of actually launching our own satellites up into space that we've spent the last couple of years building. And without getting too much into it, what really differentiates these satellites, there's really nothing like this out there right now, is that they are equipped with radar. And the best place and the best way to forecast weather is from space with radar. Currently, there's one satellite up in space that was sent up about 10 years ago. And for the most part, it gives us weather updates for anywhere in the world once every three days. That's how often that it can send back data. So if you ever hear about, you know, they're flying a plane into the eye of the storm to try and understand the intensity or what's going to happen, it's because they can't wait another three days. And that's when the next batch of, of weather data will, will refresh. The satellites that we're sending up are going to reduce that data refresh time from three days to one hour for anywhere in the world. That is hyperlocal. Hyperlocal, <laughs> anywhere in the world, including over oceans, by the way. We're mostly blind over oceans right now in terms of real time. And so this update to the, the weather industry and how it's going to feed our platform and our technology, again, we're, all, we're already validated as being the most accurate and sort of the most effective, but this is really the, the next wave of, of the company. Yeah, so we are all right now, all, when you see the weather forecast, it came from one company or one source and everybody just branded it differently. I did not know that, but it reminds me, I heard Rock and Roll Station, they said there was a guy and he was talking, he was being interviewed on a podcast, which is ironic. And he said, we never had our own weather or news team. We would listen to WJR, which is a, you know, a news station, and we would just listen to theirs, write it down, and then do it on ours. And they go, we, we just shared that... We just took their news and their weather. I was thinking, yeah, that's good enough. But you know, to that though, it's it's, ta it's talent wars. You know, I mean, look, there's some incredibly smart meteorologists out there, and there's no question that there's the top echelon of, of meteorologists out there that can predict weather better than the others based on experience and, and education and know-how. No question. However, every human is prone to error. Every human is prone to burnout. And what we want to do is we want to take that risk out of the equation, and we want to make sure that companies have the absolute best information at all time 24-7. And even if that's still feeding an in-house meteorology team or in-house meteorologist, that's great. You've just armed them with a... Giving them better data. Better data and also just more consistency. You're taking human fatigue completely out of the equation. And I don't know anyone that doesn't suffer from it. So you're taking something that is an absolute and making sure that there's a contingency plan for it. Yep. And by the way, and I still want to get to responsibility and ownership. I just wrote that down to make sure we don't forget to get to that. But you live in Boston, which is on the ocean, right? You're on the coast. So your weather... Don't remind my wife. Yes. Yeah. So you're... <laughs> is she from a warm weather place? From D.C. It's a little bit warmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Being on the coast, your weather has changed because of the weather a lot. So I, I live in Michigan. We're surrounded by the Great Lakes. It feels like if you say that weather data that my weather guy and your weather guy gives is based on old data. They're using their best knowledge combined with data that is very in dated, we'll say. Three days change, three days on the ocean, three days over the Great Lakes changes everything. They are sometimes, I'm in Michigan, and I'm not blaming your, my weather people here. They'll, they'll tell us we're getting a huge storm. You wake up in the morning, you go, it's like two inches. Where's our huge storm? That has been going on my whole life. And I don't think they're stupid. They know what they're doing. Things changed though. If I was if I was basing all of my decisions on, and I own a trucking company, I'd be like, hey, we're not driving tomorrow. No one come in. And then two inches. And you know, things change. Obviously the weather changes as, as you approach the impact, but not get the alert in advance about what to do one way or the other is I think where a lot of the frustration comes in. So same, same as you, you know, I remember you know, go, going to bed at 
night and there's going to be 10 inches of snow. Then you wake up and there's nothing. If you had at least gotten the alert to say, hey, actually, this is what happened and we got it. But you never get that. You always just get the, ah, here's what's coming next. Um, and right. so it's, yeah. The, oh, yeah. It was it was worse when I used to have to go to school and we were like, we're getting a huge storm. I'm not doing my homework. I got all day for it. <laughs> I was burned on that. Anyway, let's let's get switched topics here a little bit. I know I want to talk about responsibility and ownership. So what about responsibility and ownership when it comes to this big risk that we're talking this about? One, this one really hits hits near and dear because ultimately what we're trying to prevent is is, is accidents. And we, we dress it up. We'll call it you know, safety risks and those. Stuff. But we don't want trucks to get into accidents, right? We don't want vehicles to get into accidents, whether it's you know, blowovers or, or other things like that. We really just want to avoid it as much as possible. And you know, I remember years ago in the, in the healthcare industry hearing the term patient autonomy. And it sounded like such a lovely phrase the way that they, they crafted that. But really what, what the risk was, you were shifting the responsibility and the onus to make a decision from someone who knew something in the medical community over to a patient who knew less, in my opinion, knew less. Yes, I know my body better, but I don't necessarily know the impact of that particular drug or that treatment or that type of thing. And ultimately, I want to be able to trust my doctor. And I want to be able to trust a medical team that I'm working with. And I want to take their advice into consideration as opposed to me being the one feeling like I have to make the decision because I don't know. And we see something similar sometimes in, in the transportation industry where, you know, drivers are often paid by, by the mile. And then sort of given this notion of, well, if the conditions are adequate or you don't feel safe, pull over. Or if you don't think this is good for you to drive, pull over. And, and you know, you make that decision. But if you have financial incentives on the line, you're paid by the mile and that's what's driving you. And you're not an ex, you're not an expert in weather because how could you be on your route while you're driving in real time, going from state to state with different parameters coming in at all times? You're not even in a position to make a decision, an informed decision. And checking a weather app, as we just talked about, is not the best way to do it because that's not hyper-local data. That's going to be specific to your route. It might be across your state, but it's definitely not going to tell you the real situation that, that you're in. And so, yeah, there's this onus and the, there's a shift of responsibility from the company to the driver. And it's not fair to the drivers and it's putting them at unnecessary risk. So what we love about the trucking companies that we're working with is that they are raising their hands to say, no, 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 the responsibility to protect our drivers is on us. It's not on the drivers. And we're going to put these systems in place to protect our drivers, to warn them in advance, and to help them work through whatever specific situation they're in in the safest manner. And we talked a little earlier about how hard it is to attract drivers and, and make sure that retention is there and pay is not always the most important thing. Well, this is the stuff that people really, really care about. How are you keeping me safe? What are you doing to, to make sure I get home to my family? And it's not this idea that, hey, we're implementing this top-down system and we're going to be tracking this state or, you know, this general region. No, this is from the bottom up at the driver level. You're monitoring me, you're monitoring my vehicle, you're monitoring my route, and I always feel like I have that protection at my back. And that, that really is where the responsibility needs to live and it's why we we absolutely love working with the trucking companies that that we do. Yep. And Dan, I've, I'm a big believer, and I think most people listening would say I'm a big believer in KPIs, key performance indicators, key process indicators. And I always say only the very best metrics grow up to be a KPI. Right. So I don't need 30 of them. I need four or five. And I'm a, so I've advised 
shippers and I've advised 3PLs, brokers, what KPIs, right? But every once in a while, you bump into one where you say, I am going to give you an incentive to do something that potentially steers you in the wrong direction. And when I say I want 100% on-time performance, I do. But if that translates into a driver taking undue risk, it's not worth it. So so we have to kind of say, all right, guys, we have to, we have to own our KPIs. But when we say this is horrible weather, we're not going to do it. We're taking it out of your hands. It's not going to deliver today, which is fine because we're not going to risk a life, risk a truck, risk an accident. Not going to do it. Or Joe, to that point, there is a way for us to meet our KPIs, but there's a different way and there's a safer way to do it. If we know what's happening a week or a couple days in advance, we just need to shift it. We'll reduce our risk by a significant percentage and we can still hit our goals. That's really where that's really where the magic comes in. I interviewed someone from tomorrow. I, I talked to a friend, a consultant in the space, very knowledgeable. And he goes, well, what are you going to do? Not deliver? And I said, well, potentially, if you have enough information, you say, I'm going to move that shipment that was going to leave on Wednesday morning to Tuesday and we're going to deliver and be back home before the storm. And he goes, well, do we have that data? I said, they do. That's the thing. <laughs> You know, that's the that's the thing. If we have that data, and by the way, I think once we start being able to have a good amount of historical data, we say delivering to Boston in February, we know this is the weather. You know, we, we don't have 25 delivery days. We have 23 or 22. Maybe we carry a little extra inventory starting in January because we don't want to put ourselves at risk. Now, that's not doesn't work for perishables, but I think we can get to the place where we say we understand the weather and we understand how we're going to drive our trucks through that weather we can carry extra inventory or move stuff closer to the customer, the end customer. Yeah, and there are ways to do that uh, as well with anything in terms of if there's a refrigerated cargo or specialty pharma, you know, we put those types of plans in place as well. It's funny you mentioned Ayala, who's a, a, our colleague here at Tomorrow I.O. She runs our transportation department. She is one of the fiercest competitors I've ever seen out there. We have an incredibly competitive team. Ultimately, what we're charged with here is helping companies meet their goals and do that in a way that mitigates safety and any type of risk in the absolute best way possible. Yep, Dan. I said this to you before we hit record. I, I never have good ideas. I just hear them and then I say them on my podcast. But I heard somebody say this on my podcast. They said, we all understand how our assembly plant or our factory or warehouse works, right? We have inputs, we have outputs, and we have processes that are very predictable. Somebody said, in a lot of ways, this logistics and supply chain, once we leave our warehouse or our factory, it's still a, a factory that just spans hundreds, if not thousands of miles. And we still have to be safe. We still have to have work rules. And that's this is just one more place where you say, this if it if I was in a factory, I would say I'm always going to be looking for ways to protect my people in that plant. We have to bring that same mindset outside into the outdoor factory that is logistics. So one other thing, I know I did a webinar with you guys a few months ago, and there are other people besides trucking companies who are using your weather and climate app. What, By the way, do you call it an app or not? You like to call it the platform. The platform. Okay. So what other kind of companies in the logistics and transportation supply chain space are using this? We work with a bunch of trucking companies out there. I actually don't think I'm allowed to say the names of them. So I'm not going to. But, but we would all recognize them. Yes, my PR team will get very upset. But yes, we um, are working with uh, with some of the largest trucking companies out there. I know you're doing stuff at the ports too, right? Yeah, I mean, we're working across, again, it's sort of any industry that's impacted by weather. And so, you know, the, the companies that we, you know, we, we talk about are, you know, ones like Uber and the U.S. Air Force and the NFL, those types of companies. But yeah, anything within the supply chain logistics, whether it's, you know, cargo, trucking, ships, cargo, intermodal, ITS Con Global is another great customer that, that we work with all, all around the world. And I seem to remember it was ITS talking about they stack 
shipping containers at their port and then they they notice hey we got the we got the weather alert unstacked because the wind is blowing a certain speed so they unstack some of these containers and the guy mentioned yeah and our neighbor who also has a whole bunch of stack did not unstack his containers and i was like oh i didn't even think about that but yeah if you stack containers too high they can blow over in a windstorm and if i was able to get give me an hour or two to unstack all my containers and by the way that those blowing over not only damages containers it could damage it could hurt people i mean these are these are things that are also saving lives yeah and it's such a great use case and one of the things that we we released this last week actually i think fox weather covered the story but we released the industry's first generative ai as part of the platform and so we we nicknamed it gale because it's a nice name and has has weather <laughs> tones as well but really now our platform again we're the only company out there that's that's using ai here to make sure that people are able to synthesize millions of different of weather data points and recommendations into a very easy to understand kind of like daily report that you can just share out with all of your, your key stakeholders. So for a company like ITS, you know, they have all their different locations or different warehouses or different stack areas. And each manager of those locations can now easily get a very simplified daily report. Here's exactly what we recommend you do each morning. So it's a, it's a really nice way for them to, to be able to just operate in an easy way because we're very passionate about the weather. We love weather here at tomorrow, but we also know everyone else has their day jobs and they just need to know what to do. Yeah, exactly. I do think we're going to start routing and we're trying always to get better information, actionable information. How do I manage my supply chains better? And this is one more data point that says, hey, you're not going to deliver next Friday. You're going to deliver next Thursday and be home on Friday because the storm is in that city. And that's going to save money. It's going to save time. It's going to save a lot of hassle. And uh, and, and you said it before, we're going to have our drivers being much happier on this front because we're not putting their lives in danger. Also not putting other drivers' lives in danger. So let's wrap this bad boy up. I know you have a hard stop. <laughs> so we're talking about this big risk. This is the biggest risk that, uh, that face drivers, which is weather events that makes them late. It makes them, causes accidents. It causes a lot of problems. I want to get your final thoughts on this bad boy. My final thoughts are that weather is getting harder to understand and predict. This winter is a good case of it. We have some parts of the country that are setting records and others that are setting records for the other reason. But it's getting harder and weather's not going anywhere. And it's a constant daily challenge that we all face. And companies need an automated way to understand what's going to happen in advance. And they need the most technologically advanced solution to implement, to keep their drivers safe, and to make sure they're operating as efficiently as possible. And that is exactly what we've built with our weather intelligence platform here at Tomorrow IO. I love it. Oh, wait a sec. I wrote this down. You had sent me something, and I don't know whether it was Gartner or Forrester. You're in one of those. You're ranked in this, right? Forrester recently put out uh, their their wave report, which is kind of their their flagship report, and they, they break it out by different verticals. And so they looked at weather and climate, and they looked at... That's new, isn't it? It's relatively new, yeah. They looked at all the major players in the space. They looked at companies that have been in business for tens of years. They looked at newer companies, looked at everyone. And we were we were rated as the, as the leader within within the, the report. Honestly, if you were to say to me right now, who else is there? I would be like, my weather guy and tomorrow I owe. I'm sure there are other companies. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I you just never hear of it yet. But I do think we're going to, because again, it, this is the next killer app. This is something we need to have. Before you go, I like to interview smart, interesting people like you. Who else? 
else is killing it in the space that I should talk to? You know, I we I I like to look at you know we talked a lot about trucking industry on this one. So you know, JB Hunt is one that's uh, they just have an amazing operation. They've done all right. I'd <laughs> you know I'd have to think uh, their COO Nick Hobbs would be a fantastic person to to interview on this. On the show. Well, that would be a good guy to talk to. If anyone knows Nick Hobbs, connect me with Nick Hobbs unless you got an email. But we'll, uh, I will get, I would love to have Nick Hobbs on my podcast. So I'd love to have anyone from JB Hunt, but that sounds like a good person to have. So, Dan, what conferences will we see the fine folks from tomorrow IO at? Definitely the, the, the safety conferences, which are coming up later this year. I don't know the exact month you might know. That That's the big one. We, we were at a couple earlier in Q1 DC. I saw you guys at Manifest. Yeah, we were. We're there we were link we're at npcc yeah those are those those are the ones we look at and what i'll do is i'll put a link to your linkedin profile i'll put a link to your website and any other links you and your marketing team give me and so people can reach out and talk to you and i really appreciate you taking the time and freight waves you'll always see us on freight waves as well which i know they're a great partner for you as well so <laughs> yeah freight waves on my podcast once a month whether i need it or not <laughs> they're great people thank you so much for coming on the podcast sounds good thank you Yep, and thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.